SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is with great joy that I can utter these words to begin today's show. The 2022 NCAA Tournament begins tonight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the morning after on a Tuesday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid Network. I am Ben Stevens. This smile on my face will remain on my face for the next three weeks as we go dancing in the NCAA Tournament. The madness in March officially begins tonight, the first four in Dayton, Ohio. What a Tuesday program we have for you. And joining me in this opening hour, I would not want to spend the opening day of the NCAA Tournament with anybody else in the world except for maybe Donnie Wright's side. But Kevin Walsh is here, old K-Dubs, joining us for the opening hour of the morning after on this Tuesday, making it another edition of the early after. Okay, Dubs, welcome to March, welcome to the madness, and welcome to the beginning of the NCAA tournament. I tell you, Pat, you comments like that, you're doing an hour by yourself here. Find out how good that research is on that first four playing games all of a sudden, mm-hmm. dog. Write down a couple Texas Southern backups before you know it. I'm excited to be here, though. The playing's going to get after it. I got to tell you, though, man, I'm staring at that Indiana-Wyoming game. And it's just these flashbacks. Last year, B-double-S jumps on the early line, says he loves loves a Big Ten team to go out there, cover it, cost the producer a couple of units, and I mean a couple of units. And I just – I don't want to see that happen again, man. I'm excited to break down Indiana-Wyoming. Listen, Kev, I was very, very excited by that first four-game last year between Michigan State – and UCLA. I was confident the Spartans would cover that short number against the Bruins who went from the first four to the final four. I feel no confidence about this number tonight between Indiana and Wyoming. You mentioned, do I have enough stats to get ready for the first four between Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi? Shout out to our intern Joe here on the morning after. There's a full-blown encyclopedia of everything we need to know for the 2022 Big Dance. So I am glad to have you here, and we will get going with a look at that first four game. In Dayton, Ohio tonight, the Indiana Hoosiers out of the Big Ten Conference, the Wyoming Cowboys out of the Mountain West, both 12 seeds right now in the East region, and currently Indiana, a four-point favorite against Wyoming tonight with an over-under, Kevin, at 131.5. You've been staring at the numbers. What do they say to you? Man, 131.5 is just not what anybody likes, right? I mean, can we get a a 145 spot there? Something like that would be, I I feel, a lot better. I'll say this, though, and it it was a read of mine, and then Donnie's numbers backed it up right away. And I think it's part of the reason that Indiana could be a, in a good spot here in this game is I think it's a tough draw for Graham Ike, the best player on Wyoming and their leading score. Right. His points prop is 18 and a half. The Hoosiers are very hard to score against in the interior. Yep. And he has not scored 19 or more in five consecutive games. Tough draw here tonight for Ike. Tough draw, I think, for Wyoming. And yeah, listen, I know both teams are playing good ball, 
Indiana is a wild Bohannon shot away from moving past the Hawkeyes and maybe winning a Big Ten Conference tournament there. The Hoosiers are playing some great basketball, man. Kevin, a welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after on the opening day of the 2022 NCAA tournament. Ben Stevens, Kevin Wall, Sirius XM Channel 159, TMA, and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I mentioned 131 and a half. That was the opening total. It is now at 133, as you can see there on the FanDuel Sportsbook. You mentioned the big man battle between Graham E.K. and Trace Jackson Davis on the other side for IU. A very tangy, as our good friends Kevin Walsh would like to say, with a player performance double tonight. TJD for IU to score 20 or more points in an Indiana win straight up. Don't forget the Hoosiers, a four-point favorite. That pays you out plus 250 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. As Trace Jackson Davis goes, so too does the Indiana Hoosiers. He has scored 20 or more in three straight in this huge run for Indiana through the Big Ten tournament that got IU into the big dance. It looked bleak entering the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, and then Indiana beat Michigan, followed by Illinois, and had it not been for that banked-in three late from Jordan Bohannon, Indiana probably deeper into the Big Ten tournament and probably not in this first four game tonight in Dayton, Ohio. But these are two 12 seeds right now, Kev, in the East region, a region I know you think is one of the most difficult throughout the entire bracket mm -hmm. in the field of 68. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. Look, Baylor, Kentucky, UCLA, Purdue, you could argue, no one's going to argue Baylor's the best one seed. You could argue best two seed, best three seed, and best four seed in the country. And I'll tell you what jumps out right there. Uh, is a lot of people, I guess, were starting to see it my way on the UCLA Bruins. That team was plus 650 mm. to win this region. I thought that was clearly the best number for the four. Give me the longest odds. I'd rather play with, you know, I'd rather, I think, for UCLA, line up versus Baylor than Kentucky. I think Oscar Shibway's out there with Hami Hawkes and a, and a stretch muffler, man. So I think that's a big deal for UCLA. I think that number uh, now down to five to one. A lot of decisions yeah. to make here, man, in a very, very strong East region. Here's what stands out to me about the East region. You see the one seed in Baylor and the two seed in Kentucky tied for the same price to reach the Final Four at plus 240. Kentucky has better odds, though, to win the national championship. Plenty more from the NCAA tournament next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We go dancing all day long right here on a Tuesday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid Network alongside old K-Dubs Kevin Walsh. For the opening hour of TMA, I am Ben Stevens. We go dancing because the big dance begins tonight with the first four in Dayton, Ohio. Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi and then followed by Indiana and Wyoming the play in games into the NCAA tournament that officially begins today.
Let's have some fun. And before we break down some of those games and the trends that you need to know for tonight in specificity, we take a bigger look and we go around the odds available for the 2022 NCAA tournament. Because Kevin, right now, there are markets aplenty up on the FanDuel Sportsbook, including odds to reach the Sweet 16. So we begin with those Sweet 16 odds on the one line, the four number one seeds for the 2022 NCAA tournament. Unsurprisingly so, Gonzaga is the favorite to win the national championship. They have minus money odds to reach the final four. They are minus 650 to reach the Sweet 16. Arizona, out of the South region, the number one seed there, minus 480. Out of all the number one seeds, Kevin, Kansas has mm-hmm. the shortest price at minus 265 to reach the Sweet 16. And then Baylor, the one seed in that very difficult East region, minus 325. You see those prices for the one seeds. What do you make of them? I think in a world you'd love for, you know, if some parlays to be available. They're not. I also don't really think anyone is going to be ponying up the juice uh, mm. for the yes there. I just don't see the value in it. And in the same vein, obviously, all of those yeses come with no's. I'd rather pick the game that I think they're going to lose, especially with being the one line. And Look, if you really love a tangy 16, go out there, sprinkle a quarter unit. But if you love the 8-9 matchup, we don't even know who the 8-9 is going to be. I genuinely believe it's not even Gonzaga slander. I think they got a tough draw, man, with a potential matchup versus Memphis in the round of 32, while also being totally aware Memphis might not even make it to that game and get tripped up by Boise State. I'm not going to bet Gonzaga to not make the Sweet 16 because I think Memphis can beat them. That doesn't make sense. I need to have Memphis money line, not Gonzaga no Sweet 16. That's not where the value is. Absolutely so, Kevin. What stands out to me in this region is having an understanding in the West of what Gonzaga has ahead of them. But also, as you look to some of those other regions, we focused on the East to begin the show. Why? Well, because one of the first four matchups, the 12th seed Indiana versus a 12th seed in Wyoming, takes place in the East region tonight. And I think when you look at the futures market, one of the most interesting comparisons we can make is between the number one seed in Baylor and the number two seed in Kentucky because they have the same odds to reach the final four at plus 240 as we showed you. But the Wildcats of Kentucky, a substantially shorter price at plus 850 to win the national title than that of the reigning national champs in the Baylor Bears at 12 to 1. You can also say the same thing about the Sweet 16 because Kentucky on that two line has better odds to reach the Sweet 16 at minus 355, as does Baylor, the number one seed in the East, at minus 325. Kevin, does that not show you, based on the odds comparison there, that Kentucky is going to be the pick out of the East region for most people to reach the Final Four, not the reigning national champions in the Baylor Bears. Yeah, which is understandable, right? I I think people more impressed with Kentucky down the back end than Baylor. Kentucky's been priced in front of Baylor pretty much all season long, except for, what did Baylor last, like 15 first games unbeaten, something like that, and eventually they kind of really shot up the board, but that's fallen back to the pack there. Just... The problem of it all is, man, with this East region, it's not like, man, we're going to get to the, you know, one versus fours and two versus threes, and this is tough. Murray yeah. State and the Dons is not all that enjoyable of a draw for Kentucky. And I oh. know people will tell you UNC stinks. They blew out Duke, man. Marquette's got two, win- two wins versus Villanova. 
those are not look away games. You see, and this, by the way, this carries on. UCLA might have to play a St. Mary's team that has a win over Gonzaga's head. I think, crazy enough, the worst team of this top four, the Purdue Boilermakers, who's absolutely, by the way, the worst team of this top four, we all know that, gets the easiest draw here playing an under an underachieving Texas team or maybe playing a hot bot tech. I would agree with that statement. I actually think it's going to be Virginia Tech. I don't agree with the statement that Purdue is the least talented out of the top four, but based on the odds, at least Kevin is not wrong right now because UCLA to reach the final four, five to one, 50 cents shorter of a price than that of the Purdue Boilermakers at plus 550, but Kevin will slander Purdue at all costs. Those are the top four seeds in the East region. And that short spread between Vatech and Texas, by the way, is just one point right now. And Texas has not covered in their final six games entering the big dance. I do want to make one final point about that Midwest region where Kansas is the number one seed. Mm. Now, Kansas to make the Sweet 16 is the shortest of all the number one seeds, minus 265. Kansas's odds to reach the Elite Eight plus 124. Why? Well, you will find those very hot Iowa Hawkeyes, the number five seed in that Midwest region, at plus 165. And Kevin, you were all over the value on the Iowa Hawkeyes just about three weeks ago. 150 to 1 to win the national championship at that point. Now down to 25 to 1. Plus 1,800 to reach the final four less than two weeks ago. Now plus 390, tied for the seventh shortest odds out of anybody in the field of 68 so i don't know if ben knows this Mm. but i texted ben Mm -hmm. when i started to really feel the hawkeye fever and i said this is a layup i'm gonna tell ben that i want to bet a big 10 team to win the championship he's gonna say i love it and then i'll make the bet I And I hate to do this to you, pal. I asked you, you said, nope, they stink. Don't waste your money. And at that moment, I had to really reevaluate because if Ben isn't in on a Big Ten team, I need to take a 1,000 feet back. So I sit here, no Hawkeyes, all fried up, and I'm taking minimal responsibility for that situation. With that being said, though, just because I wish I had a much better number on Iowa does not mean that the Hawkeyes have not earned their move way up this board, man. I got to tell you, though, it would have been an absolute dream to have a couple of hundred to one-ish bombs on Providence, Iowa, and for them to play in a 4-5 game. Absolutely so. And for some clarification here, I did not say they stink. I just said I do not believe at the time they had a realistic chance of winning a national championship but that was about three four weeks ago and since the start of february the thing that stands out about iowa the second most efficient team in the last month in all of the country is the defensive improvement for fran mccaffrey in country and company and that is the reason kev that they have gone from 150 to 1 to 25 to 1 and since the start of february they have won 12 of 14 games by an average margin of victory of 16.4 points per game. But let's go to that middle of the pack, if you will, by looking at the fours, the fives, and maybe even a six. Some interesting numbers here, Kev, all in plus money. And you mentioned those Providence Friars who continue to have a lack of respect in the marketplace. Plus 390 
for a four seed to make the Sweet 16, Kevin, plus 390 on Providence. Now, I want you to think back. It's hard to do on the fly, so you can count down in the break. What was the most popular upset pick of last year's opening round? I strongly believe there was Ohio beating Virginia. Yep. And that happened. That can't happen again, right? Like the easiest upset pick in the world for everybody, South Dakota State over Providence. This can't happen again. Principal play, fryered up. Fryered Ooh, up. Ooh, now you're talking right here. We get to more of this on the other side of the break. Big dance coming your way. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Dive right back into those Sweet 16 odds for the NCAA tournament that, oh, by the way, begins tonight, right here, right now, on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is Kevin Walsh, here for the entirety of this opening hour of TMA, which makes it TEA, otherwise known as the early after on the Spiz Grid. So, Kev, we were talking about the Providence Friars. You and I have been friared up all year long plus 390 yep. for the four seed in that midwest region to reach the sweet 16 plus 390 mm -hmm. for a number four seed why because their opening round of 64 game against south dakota state the 13 seed is the shortest spread we have seen in the history of the big dance between a 4-13 matchup providence is only favored by two points kevin walsh just favored by two points and plus 390 to reach the sweet 16. What's so fascinating to me about Providence is, and especially because we can look at this, I mean, especially because of what we do, Ben. Wouldn't yep. it be way different if this team just had like this pitiful, pitiful against the spread record? You know, right. like they just, like every time they're like a dog, they win and cover. It's just so fascinating to see how much that luck metric, and I refuse to believe it's anything else, that luck metric is weighing into where people view you know the providence friars man ultimately and i don't i don't love to do this because south dakota has obviously had themselves a great season south dakota state i guess i actually have to emphasize that because south you know, dakota is another team within Correct. that but yeah. it's not like south dakota state is rocking up here with a resume that goes anywhere beyond we ran through the summit Providence ran through the Big East. What do you want me to think Providence would have done in the summit? Do you think they wouldn't have made it out of the summit? Like, is that what I'm supposed to believe? Again, like, we're using luck and Ken Palm and things of that nature. South Dakota State's 71st on Ken Palm. They're not, like, sneaky in front of Providence here. Like, they, they went up and they played Alabama. And they were smashed. They lost to Washington, Idaho. They lost to Missouri State. Missouri State, like this team does not come in here with some unblemished record. This isn't Murray State, South Dakota State. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not. Like, I mean, what is this team's crowning achievement? Beating Washington State by three on a neutral? I, I just, 
I can't get there. I know people have been excited about South Dakota State. Here's the thing, though. I think people are getting put into a box. I think your dream scenario with South Dakota State was catching nine points, Ben, like you are in that UAB game that I know you're excited Mm. about. This isn't Mm. it. You're just picking a 13 seed to go out there and blast the four spot. And maybe it happens. It's the tournament. The tournament is madness. Let's hit this right now. I'm checking in real petty on a Friday if Providence wins. And I will write the headline, Providence upsets Jackrabbits, man, if this game goes the way that I'm starting to think it will. It's the shortest spread in history between a 4-13 matchup. I think the total will also be very indicative of how this game goes. An over-under of 149.5 between South Dakota State and Providence in that Midwest region. I think if Providence wins and covers, we stay under that number of 149.5. Compare it to the other 413 matchups because those are rather interesting. Arkansas, a five-point favorite against Vermont. You have Illinois, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Chattanooga, and then UCLA, a 14-point favorite against Akron. Speaking of those Illinois fighting a line-eye, another plus-money price for a four seed. They will go up in a potential matchup against a UAB or a Houston team that is favored now by only eight and a half in that opening round game against the Blazers out of Birmingham. So that's a rather short spread. Houston's odds to reach the Sweet 16 plus 116 and you have Illinois at plus 142. Iowa is the 4-5 split for Providence and again Iowa's odds to reach the Sweet 16 minus 178. Kevin I think something here is also pretty fascinating about that St. Mary's number because you mentioned it as well plus 250 for a St. Mary's team to reach the Sweet 16. You would think in all likelihood that matchup in the Sweet 6 or in the round of 32 rather would be St. Mary's versus UCLA a team that has its odds get cut by a substantial number to make the final four and the Bruins minus 144 Kevin out of that four seed to make the sweet 16 that's why the price on St. Mary's is so long well I think another reason though is as we know a team from the play in all but once has won a game in the round of 64 now I know who everybody thinks is going to lose that game I know I, man, I tell you, Alabama is going to get me in some trouble. I know it, man. Do I know it? But it could very well be St. Mary's. That's the thing. St. Mary's does yeah. not have a guarantee on their plate playing a team like an Indiana or even if it is a Wyoming in the 512. We know 512 breeds upsets all the time as well. Yeah. Factor in that they will certainly be an underdog if they are to play UCLA. And listen, you know, don't go past the zips. The Mac pretty much wins a game every single tournament. Uh, so give the Mac a lot of credit there uh, as well. The you know one without the the double A. I don't feel it's not a tournament. I take game breakdowns. Uh, but look, <laughs> ultimately there, man, you you've got yourself a spot for St. Mary's. I can't. I don't have enough confidence. I feel Ben to trust the first game for me to yeah. get involved. Then with the you know being to the Sweet Sixteen because I like I like UCLA. Yeah, I think Kevin brings up a great point as well. Nine of the 10 NCAA tournaments, we have had a first four. One of the teams out of the first four has won multiple games in the NCAA tournament. Keep that in mind when you're filling out your brackets after Indiana and Wyoming tonight or tomorrow between Rutgers and Notre Dame. A quick look at some of the long shot odds, Kev, that stand out to me. Davidson, in a game against Michigan State with only a one-point spread right now, 
is plus 680 to reach the Sweet 16. That would follow, if they were to pull off the upset over MSU, a matchup against Duke, who is minus 250 as that two seed in the, in the West to reach the Sweet 16. We talked about UAB, plus 680. I do want to highlight that number 13 seed in the West region as well, the Vermont Catamounts at plus 710. Yeah. The line has consistently worked in their favor since open for that 413 matchup against Arkansas. It opened at six points in favor of the Hogs. It is now just five on the FanDuel Sportsbook. In the last three NCAA tournaments, we have seen five 13 seeds pull the upset over a number four seed. That is why it feels so trendy for this big dance, whether it's Vermont or Arkansas, whether it's Providence or South Dakota State. History, Kevin, tells us we can expect one 13 over a four this time around. Yeah, it's look, and, and those trends are so fantastic. And I think everybody is very smart to be tuning in right now because I'll tell you this there is nobody mm. uh, more jazzed up to be breaking this all down for you here than, than B double S. And he's going to do a great job all tournament long. So get excited about that because those are fantastic numbers. I do have a question for you, though, Mr. UAB. Please, please. How much of the UAB love is UAB? How much of it is Houston slander? Because I don't yeah. know what to do with Houston. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with them. I think, that, I think that's a very fair point, Kev. I bring it up from a position of, I like what the Blazers have done when booked as an underdog this year. It hasn't happened often for the champions out of Conference USA, but 3-0, and oh, a perfect ATS record against the spread, winning outright in two of those three games. The only cover they did not have when they lost, or the only loss they did not have as an underdog. They covered a two-and-a-half-point spread, falling by two against San Francisco. The Dons, of course, an NCAA tournament team. So I like what UAB presents against Houston, and it's a Houston team that, yeah, I would agree, Kevin, is not the same Houston team of last year with guys like Traymond Mark and, of course, Quentin Grimes, who now plays in New York, even the shutdown stopper and Dejon DeRoe. So I look at this Houston team with a little bit of falloff and UAB in a position that I like to maybe at least cover a number of eight and a half points mm -hmm. against Houston in that first round. I'm not sure the Blazers win outright. I would not say that at this moment, but the line has worked in their favor by a hook, and I like what the Blazers can do to keep this game at least competitive to cover that eight and a half point spread currently. I'm trying to find the balance, and I think you and I, um, I think we, we like a lot of the same things when we break this stuff down, right? Again, I, yeah. I always bring, bring up Ken Palm because it's, it's easy for everyone to access there, and it's a good reference point. I mean, the other Houston is the fourth best team in the country. Now, that's silly. They're not the fourth best team in the country. But the numbers have loved them all year, and it's not just Ken Palm. Net had them as the third team in the country. BPI had them in the top five. I don't know how. The resume is tragic. I mean, not good. You know, and I know that they just, like, got one back versus Memphis. I'm sorry. The 20-point win in the, in the final game there does not outdo the fact that they lost both of the first two. Memphis. It doesn't outdo the fact that their best win before that was Oklahoma State. I, I just, that doesn't do it for me. But again, in the same vein, they're consistently, I mean, they're consistently viewed as a top five team on all of these numbers here for Houston. I, I think about it sometimes like, does anybody think that Illinois is, is friared up, that they're not playing the Friars and instead would have to play a Houston? Does anybody think that Arizona is sat Now, hope a fractional difference separates Arizona and Houston on Ken Palm, and that might be the 1-5 yeah. game that they might be slated with there. 
I think Houston right now might be the trickiest team for a lot of reasons to get a true read on because the advanced numbers scream value. The resume says early exit. And you'll see those metrics on Ken Palm for the Houston Cougars, and it might mean something to you because we'll break down some national title trends on the other side of the break out of the mind of Kevin Walsh that you must know before you fill out your bracket for the 2022 NCAA tournament. The Cougars ranked 10th in offensive efficiency, 11th in most efficient defense. We'll get to those numbers next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the opening day of the NCAA tournament, here in the calendar year of 2022, we get you set with all the trends and handicapping you need to know before filling out your bracket and hopefully having a very profitable month of March in to early April. We do that right now on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is Kevin Walsh. And let's go big picture here, K-Dubs, before we get the mm -hmm. trends that everybody must tune in and listen to because Kevin is about to give you a master class. When we look at the national championship odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Gonzaga is a favorite. They have been the favorite all year long the shortest price we have seen on the zags plus 300 on gonzaga entering the big dance over double is that price on arizona plus 600 double the price of gonzaga three to one to six to one on the arizona wildcats another group of cats in kentucky the third best price at plus 850 kansas is in fourth 10 to 1 and Baylor has moved back in this market they were 10 to 1 just about 30 hours ago they are now 12 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook the five best odds to win the national championship Kevin from a Ken Palm efficiency metrics perspective what does everybody need to know about picking a national champ I appreciate the setup here I hope it is as valuable uh, as Ben says but something that I wanted to do was take the last 10 championship finals obviously we missed a year and see the qualifications basically to get yourself into the championship game because at the end of the day it's, then it gets down to one game right and i don't want to just isolate it as your champion because if you're in that championship game you've got as good as a chance as the team across the court from you right so if i go through the last 10 championship games which is a 20 team sample size one thing that I noticed right away is you absolutely cannot have a unit, either your offense or your defense, be outside of the top 50. Not once. Not once did a team make the championship game with a unit outside of the top 50. So who's that going to eliminate? Texas Tech and that 65th offense. Not going to happen. Iowa, 77th defense. And one of the easiest eliminations you'll find, probably around one exit, shout out Yale, uh, would be that 100th ranked defense sat there on the Purdue Boilermakers. It yep. just doesn't line up. Too weak on one side of the ball to carry yourself far enough in this tournament. Another thing that you'll see 
is you just need to be a top 10 team. Sounds bland, but there is a difference between betting the national championship for value or for hedge and betting to win. And if you, by the way, want to grab multiple teams, unless you're betting Gonzaga bet, you can grab three teams probably here and make yourself profitable down the stretch. That is noteworthy. Let me add this note, though, quickly to all of these numbers here. Ken Palm continues to move throughout the NCAA tournament. Why that's relevant is you can take teams that maybe don't bang on hit these qualifiers with the notion that if they can continue their success, by the time we get their final metrics, they will. Because, of course, the numbers that I'm referencing, then check in as final metrics. Another couple of things just to add here for people. You need to have a unit inside the top 10. Almost assuredly, every single team that was able to get to this game, either on the offensive side or the defensive side, was top 10 in one of those metrics. Half of the time, the best offense in the country made it to the... Half of the time, the top Mm. offense in the country made it to the national championship game. Three times the top defense did make it. And I think one of my favorite numbers to have there, though, is six times the champion. If you want a champion metric there, Ben, the champion was double top 11 in both offense and defense. I can give you, obviously, you know, teams that I think fit this line there. But those are some of the numbers using the Ken Palm numbers yep. over the last uh, 10 years or the last 10 championship games, 20 team sample size. The 10 national champions that Kevin is referencing, six of them have ranked in the top 11 in those final metrics. So not the metrics entering the big dance, but the final metrics after all was said and done with a top 11 offense and defense in the efficiency ratings. Right now, entering the big dance, that would be just two teams. Gonzaga with the most efficient offense in the country and the seventh most efficient defense. And then... Those Houston Cougars, the 10th most efficient offense and the 11th most efficient defense. The numbers you need to know from the efficiency metrics that add up at the end of the NCAA tournament and the last team standing to cut down the nets three weeks from yesterday in New Orleans. I will also add a historical perspective here because often we remember the NCAA tournament for the Cinderella's, for the madness in the month of March. But as you're filling out your bracket, and by the time you get to the Elite Eight and the Final Four, the cream rises to the crop. The number one seeds are the number one seeds for a reason. Now, we've only had one NCAA tournament since the field expanded back in 1985 with all four one seeds in that Final Four. That came back in the year 2008. But since the field expanded in 1985 to 64 teams now, 68 with the play-in games, 23 of the 36 national champions have been a number one seed. 11 of the last 14 champs have also been a number one seed. There have almost been as many number one seeds in the final four by themselves than the combined two, three, and four seeds reaching the final four since 1985. 59 number one seeds into the final four, 60 combined, two, three, and four seeds. So again, we remember the madness, the Cinderella double-digit seeds that make an appearance in the Sweet 16. But eventually, 
Talent accumulated over a year does start to pay out. We remember UCLA from the first four to the final four last year as an 11 seed. It was wild they got that far. But who met up in the national championship game? Two number one seeds in Gonzaga and Baylor with Baylor winning the national championship. Last year was more of an outlier. There was a clear separation at the top from the Zags and the Bears than this year. There feels to be more parity this year. But again, number one seeds are number one seeds for a reason, Kevin Walsh. Yeah, they absolutely are. And I mean, you look at this year's ones, Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Kansas. It's a strong crew. I would love to see odds for the one line to win the national championship. Be very fascinated mm. to see where that mm. would be posted versus a two or a three or something along those lines. I'll just add on top of that, you know, who kind of fits the qualifying numbers that we just talked about? Gonzaga, obviously. Houston, surprisingly. Baylor and UCLA really jump out. Here's why I think the East region is so disappointing for me. I probably would have tried to line up Baylor, UCLA, and Kentucky, if possible. They're all in the same region. I can't make three national championship bets, and they're all in the same region. I don't mind two in the same region, but Mm -hmm. three in the same region, that's bad business. That doesn't make sense. That's not enough value. I haven't slotted in yet, uh, Ben, kind of where I want to be ultimately comfortable in these national championship odds and and i'm not sure if it'll play out this way but but i might find myself enjoying maybe some final fours and elite eights and sweet 16s like i'll I'll throw this to you right now i love auburn to make the final four at plus 260 i think their path is much easier than kansas's and i think they actually when it's all said and done we might remember mm-hmm. what they were at one point. It might just be better than Kansas. Plus 260, I think that Auburn Tigers number makes a lot of sense, man. That bottom half of the Midwest region is a lot easier than the top half of that Midwest region with Kansas having to battle most likely, it seems right now, based on the odds, Iowa in that Sweet 16 matchup. Auburn has to go through maybe Wisconsin as the three seed. The Badgers only a seven and a half point favorite in their 314 matchup against Colgate. And then LSU without a head coach? Who knows what to make of that as the sixth seed? I agree with Kevin, and a lot has been brought up about Auburn's struggles on the road. Four and seven against the number. Not good. On neutral floors this year, which is what the NCAA tournament is, three and one against the spread. It looks a lot more like Auburn in Auburn, Alabama, than it does with the Tigers on the road. So a quick change here, Kevin, because we need to hit on this in the final couple of minutes of this segment. We go from college hoops to professional basketball and around the, so, around the association. A huge game last night in Philadelphia between the two front runners for the NBA MVP. And it goes the way of Nikola Jokic and the underdog Denver Nuggets last night. The line worked in favor of Philly before tip. Ended at four. The Nuggets win outright as a four-point underdog, 114-110. What did you take away from this game, Kevin Walsh? I mean, it's pretty obvious. The 76ers now, I mean, forget making a statement. They just keep embarrassing themselves. Every chance this team has been handed to make a statement post-Harden trade, they've embarrassed themselves. You go to Miami on the second leg of a back-to-back, you don't play Harden. Fine. Fine. You were embarrassed in that game. You held 82 points. 
Brooklyn comes to your building and you put forward what is, to me, without a shadow of a doubt, the most embarrassing performance of the NBA season. The only thing that will come close are a couple of those Lakers losses, but that team stinks so bad right now, I don't even think you can put it into the same category there. For that or for that fan base to have to go from booing Ben Simmons to booing Joel Embiid and James Harden and everybody else on that court was so unbelievably pathetic, you can't put it into words. And then to come right here, the MVP battle, up 19 in the first half, you were up five going into the break? You let Bones Highland end up being the best player on the court in the fourth quarter? Like, I'm sorry that I am not going to load up on Sixers title futures because they were able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, who everybody is going to pick to be a round one exit, and a banged-up Chicago Bulls team that doesn't know how to beat anybody who seemingly is in front of them. Every time it looks like the Sixers can make a statement, they do. It's just the wrong one and that it's we're fraudulent and you shouldn't trust us. At some point, Ben, I guess I'll have to believe him. Philly has lost three of their last five games, as Kevin mentioned, against very good competition. Miami without James Harden, but still lost by 17 points. Brooklyn in flat out the most embarrassing performance of the year at home with all that went into the atmosphere of that game. And last night as a four-point home favorite in a matchup against a Denver Nuggets team with the two front runners in the MVP race. And let's mention Nikola Jokic because he is now plus 140 to win the NBA MVP. That race with Joel Embiid getting very, very tight. Another double-double for Nikola Jokic last night. 22 points, 13 mm -hmm. rebounds, and eight assist shout out to our man Andrew Bacigalupo otherwise known as Scotch for giving you the Nikola Jokic player performance double and a Nuggets win last night at plus yeah. 130 and look at those numbers absolutely outstanding in the month of March over 31 points per game nearly 14 boards per game and eight and a half assists and that's why Kevin we are getting very very mm -hmm. tight in this MVP race and look I'll say this quickly though Jokic and be great seasons I don't know what's going on with the honest number this guy might rock up with a scoring title and a number one seed. I don't know what he's doing back there at plus 950. It makes not a lick of sense to me that Giannis has been moved that far off those other two bigs. It makes no sense. Voter fatigue, maybe, but Giannis had 30 and 15 in a six-point road victory for the Bucks in Utah last night. We end out our number one up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Great minds think alike to end out our number one of the morning after on the opening day of the 2022 NCAA tournament right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. TMA rolls on until noon Eastern time on this Tuesday. I am Ben Stevens. Kevin Walsh has been here for the entirety of the opening hour and old K-Dubs brought up a great point. How would the market look right now if we had to bet on a number one seed to win the national title versus a number two seed or a number three seed or maybe even the four one seeds versus the field? Well, that's the question we asked you in Fade the Public. So, as we all should know by now, after pouring over the bracket, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor are the four number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Are you taking them 
or the field to win the national championship. One of the most contentious and evenly split fade the public polls I have ever seen, Kevin Walsh. 49% right now going with number one seeds. The slight majority of the public of this poll at SportsGrid TV on Twitter, 51% saying the field. What does Kevin Walsh say? Yeah, look, I would roll with the field as well. I just want to take my chances with more teams. I do think if you were to price it out, the one line would be a minus price just because Gonzaga is such mm-hmm. a short favorite for the top five teams from an odds perspective are on the one line with Kentucky sandwiched in there with those third best odds. But look, I told you this. I think Auburn's going to go out there and get after it. We know that Kentucky has the juice, obviously, when you look at the – uh, East region there. I'll put it to you like this, Ben. I think it would be a fun market over under one and a half, one seeds to make the final four. Maybe that number's bad. Maybe the number would need to be Ooh, two, no, but I want to see how many number. one seeds actually ultimately end up there in that final four. I think it's a fantastic number. I think the over would have the juice, but I think the under might be at play. Kevin Walsh all week long on the <laughs> early and the money line each and every weekday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern and 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on Sports Grid Radio. You'll hear from K Dubs later in the week. Hour two is next. <laughs> 